0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul says this, Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Paul saying, wait a minute. For, for me to defend what I wrote in the last letter that we would call 1 Corinthians, and he was talking about that in chapter 2. But he said, do we need somebody to you know, write us letters of commendation or reference letters? Or do we need a letter from you? that validates that we have been long-term ministers and we're trustworthy to be able to say these things? The obvious answer is no. He goes on to say in verse 2, You are our epistle. That's a letter. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. He's saying the very fact that the Corinthian church, and of course this would be churches, house churches that make up one Corinthian church, believers in the city of Corinth. He said, you are our epistle. If anybody comes and visits the city of Corinth and they get to know the believers there, they will discover our ministry. They'll discover the validity, the quality, the the anointing on the Apostle Paul and the ministry that he plays, the role that he plays to the Corinthians. He said, you're our epistle. You want to find out whether we qualify? People can come and look at your lives and you'll see that you've been discipled from the word of God. Your life has been changed. You, you walk in the ways of the Lord. You walk in the scriptures with this true and accurate belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now, we don't need anybody to write us letters. Look at your lives and you'll see that we are indeed uh, true ministers of the gospel. Verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So he's saying, your heart, just looking at your heart to serve the Lord, your heart to serve one another, your heart to minister and such, he says there, There's the proof, there's the scripture, there's the law of God written on your hearts and everybody should be able to see it. Verse four, and we have such trust through Christ toward God Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from uh, from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, Paul brought up something here that is a favorite topic of mine, and that's the new covenant the new covenant in Christ Jesus. So notice again here in verse five, not that we think we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Now, of course, to all Jewish people, they are familiar with the Abrahamic covenant, certainly even the covenant with David. The covenant of the law of Moses and such, so they're familiar with the covenants of promise, but there's a new covenant now that Jesus uh, made in His own blood, a blood covenant, and and Paul says, look, God has not only made us apostles, but He's made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant of the Lord when Jesus took the the bread the matzo the cracker we would probably call it and the cup and he said this is my body and then he said this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many of course the next morning he'd be crucified the next afternoon he would die and his blood would have been spilled out and he's saying this is this blood is not only blood to forgive sins this blood is to make a blood covenant Notice, wrists are cut, just like they would cut in blood covenants. And in, in crucifixion, interesting, uh, interestingly, and I think this has to be planned by the Lord, just as with any blood covenant, two wrists were cut. Now, with Jesus on the cross, two wrists are cut, and the blood is flowing. And not only that, he's a mediator, which means he's a double representative. He represents man, and he represents God. He is all human being, but he's all God at the same time. He's the God-man. And so there's been no other human being like him before. And so now the blood of God and the blood of man are flowing together, and he's swearing that he will keep the promises of the new covenant. And he's also swearing that he'll keep the promises of the old covenant to the Jewish people and also to believers who have now come into the family of Abraham, which is Galatians three thirteen and 14, of course. And so Paul says, we're, we're sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the old law the old letter of the law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, and so on. Of course, I'm <laughs> using King James, makes it sound a little more ancient. But all those do's and don'ts, including the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, Paul said, look, that that kills you because nobody can keep up with all those do's and don'ts. Nobody can attain righteousness by being obedient enough. Nobody can do that. And he says, but the Holy Spirit comes and he gives life. So when you take the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, even the laws, and you bring the Spirit of God into it, the Holy Spirit brings life back to those laws that would really kill. How would they kill? Well, they wouldn't kill because they're bad laws. They would kill because you just realize how hopeless you are keep all those laws. But once the Holy Spirit comes and you're not functioning according to the law, but you're functioning by the grace of God with the power of the Holy Spirit, you find yourself doing those things which are in the law. You find yourself having the strength because the Holy Spirit brought life and strength to you by grace not by law, but by grace and such. So, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Verse 7, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how much will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now, let me just stop right here and explain what he's talking about. There was a passage in the Old Testament where Moses, he would go up on the mountain and he would be with God like face to face. And what would happen is the glory of God would actually soak into his skin. And how how exactly that works, well, we don't know, but it happened it was a reality. It was a phenomenon that uh, may be unexplainable, but nonetheless, just by him being in the glory of God, his skin would soak up that glory, that radiance. And so when he would come down on the mountain, I, I, I think if my reading of it is correct, he wasn't even realizing that this was happening until he got down the first time. And people looked at him and thought, what in the world is going on with your face? Your face is glowing. And so he realized this when they're telling him this. However, what happened was uh, they couldn't look steadily at it. But then what Moses would do is he'd put a veil over his face. Now, for years I misunderstood this, and it was just, I think, simply because I wasn't reading it slowly enough and uh, paying attention or didn't hear somebody teach on it because it's rather obvious once you see it. But I used to think that Moses would go up on the mountain and... His face would soak up the glory of God, and he would come down and put a veil over his face because people had a hard time looking at this glow. But come to find out, that's not what was happening. No, Moses would go up, and he would take the veil off of his face when he would go up to be with God. His face would soak up the glory of God. He would come down. He would talk to people with that glory being seen so that they could see, man, I've been with the Lord. I've been with the Lord. But then, once he spoke to them, then he would put the veil over it, not to keep them from seeing it, but to keep them from seeing that the glory was passing away. In other words, he didn't just have that glory in and of himself. He only had that glory when he went to to spend time with the Lord. And oh, if there's not a lesson in that for us, I don't know where you'd find one. Us going face to face with the Lord. I tell you what, in my own house, I just get off into a room by myself and lift my hands and lift my, my eyes up to the Lord. Maybe sometimes laying on my face on the carpet or, or kneeling down with my hands lifted could be a number of positions that show a humbling, that show uh, a faith toward God directing our attention and to say, Lord, I look to you, you are my God, you are my source. There's something about us taking that time and directing ourselves, getting face to face with God, humbling ourselves, repenting of sin if necessary. And in that encounter, we may not see anything with our eyes. We may not hear the audible voice of God, but there's something between our spirit and God's spirit that connects. And let me tell you, God takes notice. And when you live that way and you're spending that time with God, people will notice that there's something about you that radiates. They may not see it in a a physical glow on your face like Moses, but let me tell you, they will sense it. There's something about you, the presence of God that is on you. And so with Moses, it was an actual visible glow that was on him. And so it says, uh, notice again in verse, uh, let's see, verse 7, at the end of verse 7, it says, which glory was passing away. So, Paul's making this case that, look, if the old covenant, what what Moses had with the law was glorious, how much more glorious is the new covenant? But right now, we're just focusing on this old and what happened with Moses. If he was getting the letter of the law, which really kills people because they can't attain to it. And that was glorious because of the glory of God, the anointing that would come on Moses. Paul is saying, look, what we have in the New Testament by the grace of Jesus is more glorious than that. We should not think that this is subpar. This is this is not inferior. This is definitely superior to that. But Paul is highlighting that this was amazing what happened with Moses. So let's see what happens as we go on. Verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? That's the New Testament. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, and this doesn't mean that God was trying to condemn people, but by God giving these laws, he was showing people that they needed a Savior. That was the whole point. If you really want to attain righteousness by being right with God, well, then you have to do all these different laws. And guess what? They couldn't do it. God was not showing them how to be saved. He was showing them that they needed a Savior so that it would uh, uh, predicate, it would prepare the way For the Messiah coming to meet the need that they had. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness. We're talking about the free gift of righteousness through Jesus. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more Glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. That's the part that I'd missed for so long. See, Moses didn't want them to see. He's a human being, and he wants them to see that he's spending time with God, that, you know, the glory of God is on him. But he doesn't want them to see that the glory is passing away. We human beings don't like people to see our weaknesses. We don't like them to see our, our uh, complexes, our, our difficulties, our challenges. No, we want people to see the best. We want to put our best foot forward. That's what Moses wanted to do. But Paul is saying, but this is different. This glory that we receive through Jesus is a different level of glory. And this glory doesn't pass away like the old glory did with Moses. This is a different kind of glory. Watch this. But with their minds, excuse me, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. So notice Paul says that veil that Moses put over his face to keep people from seeing what was passing away, he said the same veil, and of course he's not talking about the literal veil, But he's saying that same veil that blocks the Jewish people from seeing is still over their eyes now so that they can't see the glory of Jesus, the the real glory. And by the way, that glory that Moses received, that was the glory of Jesus too. Jesus existed back then. That was the, the same glory of God. But now we can receive that glory. Everybody can through Jesus Christ. So he says that the Jewish people have this veil over their eyes that they just cannot see the glory of Jesus Christ. They can't see that Jesus is the glory of God. He is the Savior. He is their Messiah to be uh, saved and forgiven from their sins, the ones that their scriptures predicted. Verse 15, But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, The veil is taken away when a Jewish person turns to Jesus. The veil is taken away, and then the whole, what we would call the Old Testament, their whole Bible comes alive, and they can see Jesus everywhere. And it becomes so obvious because the veil is taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What a powerful verse right there. Where the Holy Spirit is, he brings liberty, liberty. But notice this, I want to just focus on this as we conclude verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So notice he says, we all, we who are believers, we're beholding as in a mirror. The Bible talks in the book of James, the first chapter also, as God's word being a mirror. And it says, we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image. So when you're looking into the word of God, you're looking into the face of Jesus Christ because he is the word of God. So the more his words are coming into your eyes and into your ears and into your heart, then you're seeing in the word of God, you're seeing the image of Jesus. And it says, the more you look and look and look, you get transformed into that image. So just like Moses received this glory on his face, this bright, shining uh, light that was coming out of him, this is saying the more we keep our, our faces in God's word, and aren't you glad we're doing this today? We're doing exactly what it's talking about. We're looking into this mirror. We're seeing Jesus, but also while we're seeing him, we're being transformed into his image. We're becoming more like him. The glory of Jesus is becoming more visible in our lives.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit SolidLives.com/slash give. To find out more about the Ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called the Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, jerry shares with us at least weekly from god's word challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that god has for our lives you can find links to this podcast as well as jerry's youtube channel online at solidlives.com thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the new testament daily with jerry dearman